the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. I surrender all. You know, I, I can remember growing up singing that. Unfortunately, most of the time when I said I surrender all, it was kind of like the garage sale or the bring them by. I'm surrendering the stuff nobody would want anyway. Isn't that true? We'd sing I surrender all. We're talking about all of the things we don't like about ourselves, all the things we think maybe God objects to. And we want to surrender that. We don't want that to be in, in, in our way. And we're also saying, of course, as the song suggests, we're surrendering our will. That's a tough one. But typically, when we think of surrendering, we think of it in the context of what we're going to give up. The reality is that surrender is a past subject for Christians. When you became His, you became His. When you say, I surrender, you are surrendering your will to live by faith in the truth that He has you, that you're His. There's no separation. There's no division. There's no you and God over here. You are in union with Him. And you're saying to Him, Father, I surrender to this union. I surrender to this intimacy. I surrender to this relationship. I surrender all has a whole different meaning for those who understand who they are in Christ. Because we're no longer getting rid of the stuff we don't want laying around. We're now entering into the truth of who we are, who He created us to be. Well, we are still in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to finish up the chapter tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 And Paul has been talking about the wisdom of God. And as I pointed out last week, we have our dictionary and God has His. And we tend to define wisdom differently than He does. We think of wisdom as being an accumulated knowledge. We think of it as being an understanding. We think it as being something that we actually learn from God. In fact, most of the time when we pray for wisdom, we're asking God to give us information or to illumine our understanding to know what to do. Well, let me tell you something. Wisdom isn't just about knowing what to do. 
Wisdom isn't about information. In fact, the Word of God makes it very clear. Wisdom is a person. And it is through and in that person that you have wisdom, not apart from it. Now, Paul in this section, he remember who he's talking to, I will remind you. He's talking to the Corinthians, a young church that has entered into extreme carnality. Now, what is carnality? Well, it is mixing the appetites and the desires of the flesh with your worship. You can't mix flesh and spirit. That's not going to happen. But it is literally allowing your worship, your understanding of God, your relationship of God, to become man-centered, become flesh-centered. And we've talked a great deal about that. A lot of churches are there. But that is not how God called us to worship Him. He said to worship Him in spirit and in truth, where God is the initiator, and we are the responder. Man-centered religion says, we are the initiator, and God is the responder. It's all about what we can get God to do for us. God doesn't regard man according to his flesh. He regards man according to who he is in Christ. We're going to continue in 1 Corinthians, and we're actually going to be looking at verses 26 through 31. Again, in the beginning of this chapter, Paul is telling the Corinthians who they are. If you remember when we went into the very first part of the first chapter, Paul is very clear about telling them who they are. Now, it's not because Paul doesn't know what's going on down there. Paul's very informed about the divisions, about the carnality. He knows what's taking place in the church. But let me tell you, here's a principle you need to understand. Because if you understand it, it'll change the way you see yourself and your relationship with God. That principle is repentance begins with the recognition of who you are rather than how you are. Are behaving. Repentance begins with the recognition of who you are rather than how you are behaving. You see, as Christians, we're not convicted by who we are. Did you hear that? As Christians, we are not convicted by who we are, but how we are behaving in contrast to who we are. That's what we, can, we are convicted about. Think about that. We are convicted by the contrast of our behavior to the truth of the way God made us to live. Does that make sense to everybody? I'm not losing anybody here. The reality of it is, repentance begins where I first recognize who I am and how God made me to be. If I don't start there, then I come at repentance from a whole different point of view. I come at repentance with a desire for God to make me something that is approved and acceptable. For God to change something in me. That's typically how we come at repentance. In order to be restored to truth, we have to know who we are so that our behavior does not become our identity. And usually in conviction and guilt, that's what we're feeling. Before God. Lord, here I am again. 
that problem has showed up again. Lord, this is the problem. You know, Lord, I just wish you would take the problem away from me. I wish you would just lift it away from me so that I could be. Lord, just take this sin from my life so that I could be, so I could become. You know what that is? That's unbelief. That is denying the finished work of Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. When I come before the throne, the first thing I need to do is recognize how God made me. It is forgetting how God made me, forgetting who I am, that caused me to enter into that behavior to begin with, isn't it? I need to remember the truth of who I am. I need to remember who, how God made me. And then, what do I need to do? Repent. Now what does repent mean? To turn. Now here's the issue, folks. If I don't reckon upon, by faith, who I am in Christ, when I come to Him in guilt for repentance, if I don't reckon upon who I am, then my, my plea to Him is, God, somehow change me so that I don't grieve you anymore. I see the sin, the behavior, as me. I see the behavior as me. And you know what? You can't change you. But God did, and He only did it once. Did you get that? He only did it once. We're not in a process of being recreated and being recreated and being recreated. I've lived that way. The self is not dying one day and resurrecting the next. The reality of what God has done in us is that He, by His power and His will, through the completed work of Christ, has completely remade us. And if I cannot stand in that truth, when I fall flat on my face, if I do not begin in that truth, then I enter the throne constantly begging and pleading and, and working a deal with God so that I can somehow get started afresh and anew. And believing, that's what gives us energy, right? Well, God, I, I know that you've forgiven me. And I'm going to, I'm just going to put my focus upon you. That's a good thing to do. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I make church on Saturday and Bible study on Thursday. I'm going to do all those things. No. You see, here's the issue. God loves for you to do those things. But what is the point? The point is so that you can live in the truth and the truth can set you free to walk and believe and grow and become in this earth the very manifestation of Christ's life. That's His desire for you. I don't read the Bible to become something. I read the Bible so that the Spirit of God at His election can reveal what He's already made me to be. You know another reason I read the Bible? We're just being honest. We're a small group. The other reason I read the Bible is because there are very few things that I can actually do that really don't risk my falling away. That makes sense? I can read the Bible and not worry about being distracted from truth. But if I turn the TV on, <laughs> that's a whole new game altogether. 
I can read the Bible and know that in, that in every line there's the purpose of God written in there somewhere, even though I may not see it. But if I go to the internet, that's a mixed bag, isn't it? I read the Bible because it's a safe place. And if you haven't discovered that, maybe you ought to. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like you. I don't get so much enjoyment out of reading the Bible. I mean, you know, it's just boring and I, you know, I just find myself drifting off. And, uh, listen, pal, let me tell you something. Many times I sit down with the same problem. Black ink on white paper. Nothing. But I come before him with this attitude. Father, I am a sheep and you are the shepherd. Reveal to me all that you would have me know. I am here to rest in the green pastures that you have provided for me. I'm just here to hear you. I'm just here to rest next to you. You know, there are times when, you know, my father is is not a particularly verbose individual. He's just not. And there are times when we get together and I go over there and I will sit next to him for an hour or more and he may not say two words. And I get up and, and you know, there's this sense in me. It says, you know, I really enjoyed my time with Dad. Oh, really? What'd you do? Well, we sat on the couch, you know. You know, the reality is that when I am seeking out his fellowship, when I am seeking him, there's a connection there, whether I recognize it or not. There is. Well, you say, what is all of that? got to do with our text? Well, I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Here's the reality of it. There's a wisdom. This wisdom is illustrated and manifested through Christ Himself. Christ demonstrated the wisdom of God and became the wisdom of God to us. That's in the verses we're looking at. This wisdom illustrates the grace and the purpose of God. And when God speaks of wisdom, He is speaking of His design and desire for man, but He's also speaking of Christ and His will in Christ and who He is, because you can't separate the wisdom of God from God Himself any more than you can separate His love from Him. He is wisdom. Reality of it is, child of God, is that you've been born into wisdom because you were born into Christ. Now, Paul begins this chapter by telling these carnal Christians who they are, even though they had been living to the appetites of the flesh and incorporating those appetites in their worship like idolaters. God sees them differently. He sees them in accordance to how He created them. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 quickly. Look at how He addresses them. To the church, assembly of God, which is in Corinth, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called to be saints, God's people, together with all those who in any place call upon and give honor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now you say, well, we covered that verse before. 
But I want to tell you, we're going to cover it again and again because Corinthians is not about the carnality of Christians. It's about living to the truth of who we are in Christ. That's what Corinthians is about. It is living in the truth versus living in the lie. Now, as I said before, true repentance must begin with who you are because you cannot turn from yourself. You can only turn from your behavior. If you do not return to the truth, to the completed work of Christ, you don't live in the truth. If you do not begin by recognizing who Christ is and what he's made you to be, then your confession will be couched in promises and you will muddy it. Now, this is about the wisdom of God that has demonstrated the truth of God through his grace and his mercy and the work of Christ. Confession and repentance, as we just talked about, is recognizing the wisdom of God in that work. Paul is writing about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Before we were born again, we operated in the wisdom of man. There's two different types of wisdom. You know, if I could give this little sermon a title, I would call it Before and After, because that's really what we're talking about. Paul is continuing to contrast between who we were and who we are, the before and the after. Which reminds me, I read a read kind of a funny post that has very little to do with wisdom. But it said, uh, common sense is not a gift, it's a punishment. Because if you have to, because you have to deal with everyone who doesn't have it, I mean that, that's the truth. The wisdom of God, however, is revealed in the grace and love of God, not in judgment. Let's look at verse twenty-one and read down to verse twenty-five. For when the world, with all its earthly wisdom, failed to perceive and recognize and know God by means of its own philosophy. God in his wisdom was pleased through the foolishness of preaching salvation procured by Christ and to be had through him to save those who believed, who clung to, trusted in, and relied on him. For while Jews demandingly asked for signs and miracles and Greeks pursued philosophy and wisdom, we we preach Christ, the Messiah, crucified, preaching which to the Jews is a scandal and an offense offensive stumbling block that springs a snare or trap. And to the Gentiles, it's absurd and utterly unphilosophical nonsense. But to those who are called, whether Jew or Greek, Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is because the foolish thing that has its source in God is wiser than men, and the weak thing that springs from God is stronger than men. Now, the Holy Spirit through Paul makes it clear that there are only two types of wisdom. There's the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. And a wisdom is wisdom is only good as good as its source. The wisdom of man operates apart from God. And it's very limited. Because the wisdom of man will only deal with facts. It will only deal with what it can perceive, either through its mind, will, or emotions, what it can gather unto itself through the senses. That's what the wisdom of man deals with. God doesn't even call it wisdom. But in order for us to separate 
ourselves from what is the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God, we put it in that category. The wisdom of God is based in Him. It is as true and as large and as expansive and as powerful and as inclusive as God Himself. Man is the same. It has its source in flesh. And it is only as big and as powerful and as inclusive as little fleshy man can make it. Now, I don't know about you. I brought this up last week. But are you beginning to see a contrast between the way you think and the way the world thinks? Is that beginning to to be a little bit strange to you? How the world can come up with some of the conclusions that it comes up with? Well, what you're seeing there is not because you're so brilliant and you can see the flies where they can't. It is that you operate from a different wisdom. Now you say, well, I don't know. I've been living pretty rough. I've been out there in the world. You know, a preacher, I haven't spent much time in the Word of God, so I don't know about that. Listen, if you have your life in Christ, you operate from His wisdom. You don't have any other wisdom. There's only one wisdom for us to operate in. And no matter, I see a lot of Christians trying to embrace the wisdom of the world. And it creates a contrast both in them, in their associations, and in their behavior. It creates a contrast that's unsettling. It just doesn't work. It's like those two magnets that are reversed. It just never seems to come together. Their logic is flawed. Their understanding is askew. That they're basing it in, in, in emotions. In fact, 90% of the, of the heretical nonsense you hear Christians espouse in agreement with the world is based in emotion. It's based in emotion. Now listen, that's just going to get worse. Because what we have lived in in the United States is a nation that has adopted the wisdom of God from the beginning, to whatever degree it did, in its establishment that is now rejecting God, so therefore is rejecting the wisdom of God. So what you're going to see in man, in this nation in particular, is a divergence, a separation. Suddenly, what the world says will not make sense in regards to how you know God has called you to live. They will call a lie truth and truth a lie. Their wisdom will be continually distorted and it will be deceptive. They will talk in circles. And you will wonder how in the world you could ever explain. You, you know, we talked about this before. Do you ever find yourself throwing pearls before swine, trying to enter into their logic, trying to convince them of truth? What a waste of time. You didn't see Jesus do that much. Occasionally he would enter in with the Pharisees when they confronted him and he'd demonstrate the truth to him. But he didn't do a whole lot of talking. He wasn't on all the talk shows. The reason is, is because Jesus is truth. And he doesn't have to establish it. All he has to do is speak. That's the reality of the Christ in you. The wisdom of man 
is based in the foolishness of man. The wisdom of God is based in the glory of God, who God is. The sum total of His character. As I said, it's only as good as its source. What man calls wisdom, you see in verse 21. And what you see there is that the combined intellect of the world, of man and his unregenerate condition, failed to perceive or recognize God. The wisdom of man could not save man or change man. And it never will. Now, did you hear that? The wisdom of man cannot change man or save man. But yet, we're crying out. The world wants to be saved. Everybody's a victim. That's all about their hardship. Somebody save me. Somebody pull me out. The wisdom of man cannot save man or change man. It still will not. You see man in his attempts to change man through changing his environment or his social status or his physiology or even his sexual orientation. And none of these things change who that man is. They simply change how that man sees himself. Do you see my point? I'm not saying that their circumstances can't be bettered. I'm saying you can't change who they are. There's some things that will not change. God is the only way, and through His wisdom, He did change man. Completely. He made him anew. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.